Amidst the worldwide racial reckoning sparked by the recent Black Lives Matter marches, local communities everywhere are awakening to the social structures that have for so long sustained systemic racism and white supremacy. One notable flashpoint of contention between those who wish to dismantle white supremacy and those attempting to defend it is public statues and monuments. Demonstrators have toppled statues of slaveholders and Confederate generals. Universities and colleges have renamed campus buildings to erase ties to slaveholder wealth. And residents have begun to wonder just why are there monuments to the Confederacy as far outside the South as Brunswick, Maine, Seattle, Washington, and Edinburgh, Scotland. In response, U.S. President Donald Trump has issued executive orders protecting statues, monuments, and other federal properties. Investigating hundreds of people throughout the country for what they've done to monuments, statues, and even buildings. Has publicly defended statues and military bases commemorating Confederate generals. These monumental and very powerful bases have become part of a great American heritage and a history of winning, victory, and freedom. And has even deployed heavily armed federal officers to guard federal buildings in cities like Portland and Chicago. Security have done a fantastic job. They went to Oregon a little more than a week ago. The place was a mess. The city, Portland, was just a disaster. Japan, meanwhile, is no stranger to the politics of public statues and monuments. From the popular statue of the loyal dog Hachiko, to the controversial Yaskuni Shrine, to ongoing diplomatic disputes over South Korean comfort women statues. Expressed anger over a pair of statues in South Korea commemorating the so-called comfort women who were forced into sex slavery by Japanese forces during World War II. One of the statues appears to show Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe kneeling in front of a comfort woman. Public statues and monuments then, while inanimate and immobile, are very much alive in shaping popular understandings of history, communicating social mores to contemporary and future generations, and sometimes even embodying ideologies of discrimination and oppression. Comfort women have long been a thorn in ties between the two neighbors. What role do statues play in shaping historical memory and popular understandings of history? What kind of figures are most prominently commemorated in Japanese public statuary? Have there been cases of controversial Japanese statues being removed? And what impact have public monuments had on Japanese diplomatic relations in East Asia? I'm Tristan Gruno, and this is Japan on the Record. For more on public statues in Japan, I talked with Dr. Sven Zoller, professor of Japanese history at Sophia University in Tokyo, Japan. Dr. Zoller is the author most recently of Men in Metal, a topography of public bronze statuary in modern Japan, available later this month from Brill. I started by asking Dr. Zoller to explain the role statues play in shaping historical memory. Yes, thank you for the question. I have been researching historical memory in Japan in the last 20 years and have written quite a number of things about public history and historical memory in modern Japan. And what usually catches your attention there are the more controversial issues such as the Yaskuni Shrine problem or the history textbook problem, the question of how history is being taught in schools. That's usually the dominant themes for colleagues who study historical memory. But over the years, I started noticing that there are many monuments that are less controversial, but in my view, still very influential in the processes of shaping nationhood and shaping historical perceptions among the broader population. And I think that's where statues 
are very important utensils because they communicate certain interpretations of history to the population at broad. And because the number is just so large in Japan, you will find these statues as reminders of the national history in every city. In some cities, you have dozens of these statues, and they seem to be considered very important because they were built since the Meiji period, since the late 19th century, and they are still being built today. Now, you were just mentioning statues and cities, and you know I've spent most of my time in Japan and Tokyo, and wandering around Tokyo, the statues that come to mind are statues of people like Saigo Takamori in Ueno Park, or Oishi Kuranosuke in the Sengakuji Temple, even Okuma Shigenobu at Waseda University, for example. Uh, but then again, you know these statues seem to be few and far between. Maybe we could call them the exceptions that prove the rule to a, a lack of statues in Tokyo more broadly. But instead, what we see in Tokyo now, rather than public statues, is things like historical markers, descriptive plaques, or, or things like that. Am I just overlooking the number of statues in Tokyo, or, or what explains why we don't see more prominent public statuary? Yes, thank you. Actually, the number of statues in Tokyo is quite large. There are uh, today several hundred statues all over Tokyo. And in modern Japan, today, thousands of statues do stand in public spaces, like in front of stations, as you just said, in parks, but also in shrines and in front of memorial museums. Between 1880 and 1940, about 800 statues dedicated to historical personalities were built in Japan. All of these statues were destroyed during World War II, with only a few dozen being preserved. But since 1945, again, two or 3,000, we don't even have a reliable number, two or 3,000 statues of historical personalities were set up in public space in Japan. So what you're saying kind of reminded me of a quote of the famous Austrian writer Robert Musil, who once said that the most remarkable thing about monuments is that nobody ever notices them. (laughs) Um, And I think he is right when he speaks about the 21st century. He did say that 100 years ago. But today, of course, we live in a, a multimedia world So we are probably not as impressed anymore by statues, but that was different in the 19th century, of course, when, for example, in Tokyo, there were no tall buildings yet. So statues in public space, some of which were standing on 10 meter high pedestals, were, of course, important landmarks in the city architecture. Also, they were often used as a background to ceremonies and festivals. Festivals were held around or in front of statues. And apart from that, they were also reproduced in all kinds of media. So the statues did not only have their effects where they were, but they were reproduced in famous footblock prints, later in lithographs, then in souvenir postcards, also pictorials. So they were quite widely known, even beyond the point, the, the site where they were standing. Today, what is left of this, I think, is mostly limited to tourism. So if you go to a travel agency in Japan, you will see tourist advertisement for uh, trips to, say, Sendai, the city of Sendai in Tohoku, which would have on the cover the equestrian statue of the feudal lord, the daimyo Date Masamune. 
And the city of Kochi, for example, would often use a statue of a pre-Meiji era samurai called Sakamoto Yoma, or also a feudal lord, Yamano Uchi Kazutoyo. So these are still today statues that people would be able to identify and they would have recognition value. But many of the pre-war statues would not have this value anymore because, of course, the ideology that they represented and the values that they were supposed to disseminate among the population disappeared or at least decreased massively in importance after 1945. So on the cover of my book, for example, is a image of a statue that is standing right in front of the imperial palace. It shows Kusunoki Masashige, a 14th century warrior chieftain who fought for the restoration of the emperor Godaigo in what is called the Kemmu restoration. And he became important, of course, after the Meiji restoration in order to show the population, see, people have fought to restore the emperor to his legitimate place as a ruler already 600 years ago. So that is the values that you also have to adhere to. And another statue that comes to mind in that regard is the statue of the three human bombs that was very popular during the wartime period. Of course. And, and I want to ask you about some of these controversial statues in a second. Mm. But, you know, before, you know, you mentioned Kusunoki Masahige, yeah. mm. Sakamoto Ryoma, the, you know, great restoration hero. Earlier, I, I mentioned Saigo Takamori, another restoration hero, Okuma Shigenobu, who is prime minister, but also founder of Waseda University. But when you were talking about these hundreds of statues around Tokyo, Generally, who is being memorialized in these statues? Is it great figures, lesser known politicians, or what are the kind of figures that we get in Japanese statues? Yeah, that is an interesting question. And in order to answer that, I actually compiled a database. Mostly studies of historical memory look at case studies and then try to come to some generalizations. But because there were so many statues, I actually compiled a database and did a quantitative analysis of modern Japanese statuary in public space. So I collected data regarding 2,000 monuments built in pre-war and post-war Japan. I categorized the subjects depicted, and the categories that I had were, for example, samurai, daimyo, imperial figures, social actors. This is mostly, of course, post-Meiji Japan and cultural figures like poets or writers. This is actually mostly a post-war phenomenon. But in the Meiji period, what actually indeed was mostly built in terms of statues were monuments dedicated to political leaders who were samurai before the Meiji Restoration and who then continued their career as politicians in Meiji and Taisho, Japan. And I also input the data of birth of the people depicted in monuments in this database and actually one-fourth of the statues that are in my database were depicting people who were born between 1820 and 1840. So it was the people who were in charge at the eve of the Meiji Restoration in 1868. So there's a strong emphasis in modern Japanese statuary on the heroes of the Meiji Restoration. And because this is the late 19th century, in its development, Japanese Bronx statue was strongly influenced by the great man view of history, which was, of course, very prominent in the 19th century in Europe, in the United States. And it was also imported to Japan, not only in statuary, but also through writings and publications. The interesting thing is that post-World War II, in most countries, at least historians, would not believe 
in the great man view of history anymore, but in terms of public monuments, that is exactly, that's at the core of discussions that are going on right now. Still, some people obviously believe that these great men have to be worshipped through monuments. I mentioned before the statue of the three human bombs, or yeah, Nikodon Sangyushi. Uh, that was very popular during the wartime right, period. Yeah. Students mm. were brought to the statue to worship them, which was meant to instill within them this martial spirit of self-sacrifice for the nation-state. Not surprisingly, after the war, the statue was removed because the meanings it conveyed were no longer socially appropriate. Now, in the U.S. over the last several years, and especially in the wake of recent Black Lives Matter marches, there have been a number of statues of racist individuals and Confederate leaders removed for similar reasons, giving rise to all sorts of debate about the politicization of monuments and the tarnishing of our quote-unquote founding fathers. With all the statues you've looked at in Japan, have there been cases where statues of prominent Japanese politicians or other individuals were removed or become the focal point of political controversy? Yeah, there are two cases that come to mind right away. In 1905, when Japan signed the peace treaty of Portsmouth, there were actually all over Japan demonstrations, violent protests against this peace treaty. And in the city of Kobe, actually the demonstrators pulled down a statue of Ito Hirobumi, probably the greatest statesman at the time. He was still alive and he was considered the father of the Japanese constitution. He was a four-time prime minister. And although he himself had nothing to do with the actual peace treaty and the negotiations, his statue was toppled because he was seen as a symbol of the ruling elite. And the people said the ruling elite has failed us because the conditions of the Portsmouth Peace Treaty are not sufficient in our view. So this was thrown down and then dragged throughout the city, and it was only re-erected several years later and in a different space somewhere more outside of the city. So this was a very famous incident, which actually also made it on page one of the New York Times. If you search the New York Times online archive for statue Ito Hirobumi and Kobe, you will find coverage of this even in the New York Times. Another important case is a statue dedicated to I Naosuke, who was a shogunal regent in the 1850s, who was uh, responsible for signing the unequal treaties with the Western powers. He was assassinated in 1860 because he was criticized for signing these unequal treaties. And since the 1880s, when more and more statues were built in Japan, the family and the former vassals of E. Walt wanted also to build a statue to him. But the central government, which were, of course, the people who basically were on the side of those who assassinated E and later overthrew the shogunate, did not allow this to happen for 30, 40 years. It was only in 1909 that the city of Yokohama decided to approve of a statue to E. Naosuke being built. But for 30, 40 years, there was a very harsh controversy about this, which of course had to do with the rehabilitation of this historical figure. And this is often what is involved in processes of planning and commissioning statues, that sometimes the building of a statue symbolizes the completion of the process of a rehabilitation of a political figure. And this is very much so in the case of E. Naosuke. That's a great point about the politics of statues, for example. And of course, I think when talking about the politics of statues in Japan, especially, I think we'd be remiss to omit discussion of comfort women statues uh, yeah. in Japan mm -hmm. and around North America. But but these are really just, you know, one example of statues that have become very politicized, which brings to mind how political even, you know, seemingly mundane things like statues can be, especially when it comes to forming public memory and public history. 
before we were talking about the role of public statuary in shaping historical memory in Japan. But can you talk a little bit about how statues as elements of public history shape things like, you know, even Japan's foreign relations with its neighbors? Yeah, that's also a very important question. In my book, I excluded the comfort women statues because that is a topic that would probably require a separate study and other scholars are actually also working on this. But comfort women statues to commemorate the women who suffered under the system of sexual slavery in World War II is a very divisive issue between Japan on the one side and particularly South Korea, but also other countries on the other side and the Japanese government very often submits official protests when a statue dedicated to the memory of the comfort women is being set up basically anywhere in Japan, but they also protest, for example, in Germany to the German government or in the US against these statues being set up. One has, however, to keep in mind that on the other side, throughout the Asia-Pacific, there are more than a thousand memorials dedicated to the Japanese victims of the Asia-Pacific war. So the Philippines, the United States, Even Russia have allowed Japan to build memorials, not statues, but uh, memorials dedicated to the Japanese victims of war on their soil and even to host um, ceremonies there. So the Japanese approach here is actually at least very unbalanced. One could probably also say hypocritical because these memorials are being upheld and are being used actively for ceremonies by the Japanese government. On the other hand, the Japanese government does not allow the comfort women to be commemorated and memorialized. But there are also some bright stories, one could say, from international relations, particularly when it comes to Taiwan. So during Japanese colonial rule in Taiwan, but also in Korea, and indirect colonial rule in the northeast of China, the Japanese colonial administration built statues in these territories, in these colonial territories. And most of them, of course, were destroyed when the Japanese empire collapsed in 1945 or in the years thereafter. But in Taiwan, because there was kind of an interregnum until in 1949, after the end of the Chinese civil war, the Kuomintang government came to Taiwan, some of these Japanese statues actually survived and they were not destroyed by the local administration of Taiwan. When the Kuomintang government came to Taiwan, actually the locals did hide some of these uh, statues and so they survived. And in recent decades, they have been put back up again on their pedestals. Some of the statues that were rediscovered in shelter, for example, are now exhibited in the Taiwan National Museum. And this is the story, of course, also of negotiations with Japan, with Japanese guests visiting, for example, the unveiling ceremony of these statues when they were put back on their pedestal. So this is kind of a success story. But of course, it is telling that it is the case of Taiwan, because between Taiwan and Japan, there are not so many frictions about the interpretations of history, which is quite different, of course, from the case of Korea, but also the People's Republic of China. I'm Tristan Gruno, and this has been Japan on the Record, the podcast where scholars of Japan bring their expertise to bear on issues in the news. Hosted and produced by Tristan Gruno of the Council on East Asian Studies at Yale University. Thank you for listening.